Voice of St. Louis original podcast. Lot to get to on this edition of the STL All Local, produced by the KMOX Newsroom, so let's get to it. Our top local story on this Tuesday, June 13th, some good news for St. Louis. A local company makes a deal with a staggering price tag. Chesterfield-based ag company Bungie announced they're merging with a company in the Netherlands. The deal with Amsterdam-based Viterra has the local ag giant acquiring the European partner by providing $6 billion in Bungie shares, $2 billion in cash, and take on about $10 billion in Viterra debt. That's an $18 billion deal, one of the largest in local history. The Wall Street Journal says the combined companies will put Bungie closer to agriculture competitors Archer Daniels Midland and Cargill with revenues in excess of $100 billion annually. Sean Michael Lyle, KMOX News. The half-billion-dollar rebuild of the chain of Rocks Bridge is now underway after a ceremony today. Illinois Department of Transportation Director Omer Osman says two state bridge projects are special. They are some of the most complex, most challenging, most coordinated projects that departments of transportation takes on, but they are also the most rewarding. The project will take several years to upgrade the Interstate 270 bridge, and the area will be a work zone during that time. Ribbon cutting for a terminal expansion at Mid-America Airport in Muscoota, Illinois. The $34 million project added two new gates for a total of five and lots of extra terminal space for passengers. Airport Director Brian Johnson was asked if the airport that was once called a boondoggle is now making money. Operationally, we, we rely on the county to help support the airport, and I think that's important. What's also important is that every airport in the state relies on property taxes or the taxpayer to help support their facility. Johnson says with low-cost carrier Allegiant Airlines Mid-America seeing 300,000 passengers pass through the terminal. No flights were coming and going during today's announcement, but a spokesman for the airport says that's because Tuesday is the one day Allegiant does not have any flights there. The trip from St. Louis to Chicago is getting faster for those taking Amtrak. The Lincoln service train will soon be going 110 miles per hour, which IDOT's Paul Wappel says will save you time. So effective June 26th, 15 minutes will be eliminated from the existing route. So, uh, and that's 30 minutes different from when it was 79 miles an hour. But 15 minutes will be eliminated from Chicago to St. Louis. The $2 billion rail improvement also includes more than 200 railroad crossing upgrades to improve vehicle and pedestrian safety. The Cardinals will take part in next year's Field of Dreams game. For a second straight year, a Cardinals home game will be played at a neutral site. This year, the Cardinals are playing two games in London. Next year, a Cardinals home game against the Giants will be played at historic Rickwood Field in Birmingham, Alabama, according to the San Francisco Chronicle. This will serve as the Field of Dreams game, which had been played at the Field of Dreams movie site in Iowa, but is not being played this year due to construction. Rickwood Field opened in 1910. It is the oldest professional baseball stadium in the country. A number of movies have had scenes filmed there, including 42, Cobb, and Soul of the Game. At Bush Stadium, Matt Pauley, KMOX Sports. A story you're hearing first on KMOX. Citizens for a greater downtown St. Louis are hoping for a meeting with city leaders to discuss a report released today. That report, understanding the level of police presence in downtown St. Louis. Les Derman, a member of Citizens for a Greater Downtown, tells KMOX they've looked at the numbers produced by the St. Louis Police Department and a 2022 study from the Center for Policing Equity. One of the points we've made is we've really got two choices. Yeah, we can increase the numbers of police significantly, or we can control 
the sources of problems so that the workload of police can be reduced. And some of those sources include shutting down problem short-term rental properties, open surface parking lots where people gather late at night, and the Shell Station on North Tucker. Sturman says the city can control those things, which would eliminate many of the problems and reduce the need for so many police officers. Maria Aquino, KMOX News. It is Temp Tag Tuesday in Ferguson. Police Chief Troy Doyle says he's heard from the community that the epidemic of cars with expired temp tags or no tags or plates at all is a big deal. He's given his officers discretion in cracking down because they realize for some it is tough times. We understand those things. You know, life sometimes uh, presents us with unfortunate circumstances. However, we see vehicles that have expired plates from 2018, 2019. And yet they have expensive rims and other add-ons. Doyle says he's been hearing from other chiefs and mayors who are considering crackdowns of their own. New developments in the case of the teenage volleyball player whose injury led to the downfall of a circuit attorney. Janae Edmondson of Tennessee was scheduled to undergo surgery Monday to help her amputated legs accommodate prosthetic extensions. The suspect, Daniel Riley, who was out on bond in a robbery case when his car struck and injured Edmondson, now has an August 14th court date to deal with two matters, the robbery case and the assault charge stemming from the crash. Reporting downtown outside the courthouse, Kevin Colleen, KMOX News. The KMOX business desk, the first city to approve putting recreational marijuana before its voters in Missouri, will be DePere. The St. Louis County Towns Alderman voted last night to put the question of whether to ban pot shops on the November ballot in 2024. That's the first chance under Amendment 3 the voters can override legalized marijuana sales in their community. The vote came as the first dispensary is nearing completion in DePere. As we continue on KMOX, an update on a major employer of our St. Louis neighbors, Granite City Steel. You've heard that U.S. Steel has wanted to sell the mill to a third party, which could result in big job losses. Let's get two angles to update this story. First, the president of United Steelworkers Local 1899, Dan Simmons, is with us on KMOX. Thank you for having me on your show. What is the latest? Well, right now it's uh, still status quo, which would mean uh, they have that desire to make that move. What they're wanting to do is sell our two blast furnaces uh, at Granite City to a third-party Suncoke Energy, which would then turn those blast furnaces into a pelletizer, which would make pellets uh, that would feed those electric art furnaces down south. What we're trying to do is if if that's the direction that U.S. Steel is going to make for the long-term future, we only ask that, hey, U.S. Steel, you make that investment rather than sell that off to a third party. That would have the least negative impact on the current employees there now because it will result in some job losses if we become 100% pelletizer. Our ask is that we have a blast furnace that's down, and currently we want them to bring that up and make as many pellets as they want for those electric art furnaces. Uh, we only ask that they leave the current furnace that we are operating with now continue to feed the steel side where the bulk of our employment's at. And uh, we continue to make steel as long as we're competitive and we're making them money because currently right now they're making a ton of money off us. Dan, remind us of the stakes of this. Uh, first of all, the scope, uh, the full scope of the Granite City Works operation, uh, what would be impacted by this uh, proposed Suncoke transaction, and is U.S. Steel receptive from your perspective at all to not contracting this work out and doing it themselves? Well, first of all, the impact would be uh, 
pretty devastating. Our current membership is around, uh, as far as represented employees, is somewhere around 1,300 uh, employees. If they converted to 100% of pellets like they proposed, there would only, there would be about a seven six seven hundred job loss uh, that would be on the steel side that actually uh, turns turns that iron currently into steel and the production side the rolling side and the shipping and etc. So that's what's at stake you know, about six to seven hundred jobs and then the other side is. U.S. Steel receptive to what we're asking for? The answer currently is so far, no. And we don't necessarily know the business sense reason why they aren't. Let's switch gears now. Congresswoman Nikki Budzinski recently questioned officials at U.S. Steel at the Capitol about their intentions for Granite City Works. Yeah, I think it's really important. We want to see U.S. Steel stay in Granite City. Um, there are a lot of tax incentives that U.S. Steel can be taking advantage of um, to make sure that we continue to run our, our blast furnaces that are there in Granite City. Granite City and U.S. Steel, that partnership goes back to 1895. Um, it's very important um, to the economic vitality of the community, and so I'm continuing um, to be an advocate for those workers and, and the community and to make sure that we're doing everything we can um, to make it advantageous for U.S. Steel to stay. And so we don't lose the 1,000 jobs that is estimated to happen if this deal uh, goes through between U.S. Steel and Suncoke. And so um, I think, you know, I want to see accountability. I want to understand why they can't stay, uh, why they'd be walking away from a highly skilled workforce and not taking advantage of the federal tax incentives that do exist that would make it amenable for them to stay in our community. So I'm going to keep fighting. What have they told you or, or what do you make of um, the reasoning for this this deal? Well, it's not so much as I understand it really trade-related. I think U.S. Steel is expanding their footprint in the state of Arkansas. You know, again, I think there are a lot of great tax incentives that are available, made available um, through the federal government right now um, that they could be taking advantage of to, um, you know, retrofit the blast furnaces, make them more efficient, keep them running, keep the jobs, stay in the community. Um, And so that's what I've been advocating for, Michael. And you, uh, you talked about the importance uh, of the plant to the community. You, you mentioned earlier in this conversation about the longevity, um, but the economic importance, and it looks like you also shared even uh, an anecdote or two about those who've uh, built their lives on the mill. Yeah, I mean, I, I talk to constituents very regularly from Granite City that are multi-generational uh, United Steelworkers. Um, you know, the steelworkers and, and the partnership that the Steelworkers Union has with um, U.S. Steel, those kind of collective bargaining agreements are what built the middle class in this country, created good-paying jobs, good wages and benefits, safe working conditions. And that provided one in- individual in particular I just met with last week that I shared in my testimony his grandfather and father worked at the mill. That allowed him to go to college. He then went on and started his own healthcare company, which now provides for his family. That's the kind of middle-class life that we all dream of, and that's what was made possible in Granite City through that partnership with a, a good collective bargaining and a union contract, and that's what I want to see stay. So that's why I think it's an important site. And the fight does continue. Thank you to Congresswoman Nikki Budzinski and also the president of United Steelworkers Local 1899, Dan Simmons, for getting us up to date on U.S. Steel's intentions in Granite City. 
we keep you up to date on your schedule with twice daily updates, just subscribe on the Odyssey app or wherever.